This session, we're going to cover Chapter 8, Chronological Timeline, beginning on page 52 of your syllabus. My name is Deb Bull, and my husband and I have been working for several years now in um, helping others through their um, prayer resolution process. And it is a privilege to be here to share some of the things that I have learned so that as you go through the prayer resolution process, you'll have a better understanding as to what is going on. So I'd like to just start with prayer. Um, Father, I just ask that you will guide my words, that they will be clear, that they will um, be heard with understanding. Father, I just pray for protection, that you would um, help this technology to work well, that you would um, keep me from distraction and keep those listening from distraction, Father. Give us the words, um, give me the words that you want them to hear. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. So, chronological timeline. Um, this is kind of a messy process. Uh, and I say that because there's no really one way to do it. You kind of develop your own. So if you're brand new to the prayer resolution process, and I know that the idea of being a safe other is very intimidating at this point, but you're going to be going through your hurts with somebody. And just know and understand that this is the process that you will be going through. Now, we don't want you to come to the session with your list of hurts and those that you think you need to accuse. Um, come with an open heart and an open mind, and as the safe other guides you through, asking questions and getting you to share about your life, don't filter what you share. If the Holy Spirit brings something to your mind, say it. We'll jot it down, and we'll discuss it more later to see if it is something pertinent that needs to be talked about. Um, this is the session where we go, just the facts, ma'am, like Sergeant Gannon used to say all the time on Dragnet. Just the facts, ma'am, just the facts. We don't want to open up issues that we're not going to resolve in this taking of the chronological timeline. This is generally the second time you have met your hurting one. Now, generally, you have met for coffee or for something else, just to become acquainted, just to find out, can I work with this person? And for the hurting one to decide, can they work with me? When my husband and I are meeting somebody for the first time, we kind of go, we have a few things that we like to hear and go over um, with them. But we also remind them that everything they share is confidential. That what we talk about nobody else knows about, and we don't share it with anybody else. We share a little bit about who we are, our process through prayer resolution, and um, that we're available, and a little bit about that it would be three-hour sessions, and we would meet once a week, and where we would meet, and those kinds of things. We also asked the hurting one to share a little bit about their faith story. Um, how did they come to know Christ as their Savior? 
or what has been their journey with getting to know God through his son, Jesus Christ. There has to be a relationship there um, before um, the hurting one um, can really pray, before the father hears their prayers. They have to know God as father. And so this is an opportunity to begin to get their faith, a little bit about their faith story. Now, again, it, they can be baby Christians. Um, they can have a faith that's been, well, I've gone to church, uh, but I haven't grown much. As long as they have the right to come before God as Father, um, they can pray. And God will grow their faith um, through this process. So this is what we call our pre-meeting. And then kind of ask them, why are you coming to PR? Um, why did you contact us? Or if we were given our na- their name by somebody else um, and they were given our name, why, you know, why are we talking? What is it that they hope to get out of the process? And we always say we understand you don't know much about the process, and that's fine. We'll um, help you learn as you go. So that's the pre-session. Now we're in session number one, and we're going to do that chronological timeline. Um, on page 54 of your syllabus is a table that shows a timeline. And let me tell you, this is not what your timeline will look at like when you first come out of the session. As you've been talking, you're going to be scribbling notes, um, taking lots of notes, and you're not going to, your timeline's not going to look like this. This would be something that you would put together after you had met with that person for the first time, and you laid it out in a way that you can understand it and be able to check things off as you go through the timeline. One thing you're going to want is a notebook to be able to put notes in. Lots of notes. You're going to take lots of notes as you go. So if you're the hurting one and that person is over there, the safe other is writing everything down, (laughs) it's okay. Um, And sometimes we write down uh, events and things that don't, um, we never have to go back and revisit because there were no hurts or wounds that came out of it. But they're there because sometimes they help us to have a pattern, to see a pattern. Is there something that develops that we need to look into a little bit further um, along the timeline? So you're going to start with making sure you've got contact information. Hopefully you did that at the pre-session. Phone numbers, emails, what's the best way to contact you, Are you working right now? If I call you during the day, is that okay? Do I call you only in the evening? Um, Those kinds of things. You want to kind of get clear. How do I contact you? And then you want to give them the contact information that you want for them. Now, I don't know if you're like me, but when a number that I don't know comes up on my phone, I don't always answer it. So when I'm going to begin working with somebody in prayer resolution, I put their name with their phone number in my phone so that when it comes up, I know it's them calling. So you're going to start with that. Um, And again, reminding them that there is a confidentiality that as a safe other you follow, that what they share is not going to go anywhere else. 
some people will have, some safe others have a whole list of questions that they ask. That is their way of getting out information. One thing to remember is that this is the session that you begin to build rapport. PR, um, prayer resolution is all about relationships. It's about the relationship that, be, that develops between the hurting one and the safe others. It is a relationship where they, the hurting one feels safe to be able to share their story. They feel comfortable with you. And you have to develop that rapport. And it begins with the very first session of um, as you're taking the timeline. So there is some flexibility and sometimes there's the nudging of the Holy Spirit as you go through this. But in the beginning, it's pretty straightforward. Where were you born? When were you born? What are the names of your mom and dad? How old are they? When were they married? Um, what are your names of your brothers and sisters? Where do you fall in the line? Are you the oldest? Are you the middle? Are you the baby of the family? Um, all of these, this general information we're going to go over and ask you. And what about grandparents? Um, aunts and uncles, extended family. What kind of a role did they play in your life? Were they close physically? They lived next door? They lived in the same town? They lived an hour away? Or were they more physically distant? Um, they lived in another state. And um, what kind of a role did they play in your life? And emotionally, were they close to you? Even though they lived a state over, there was a very close bond between you and your grandparents and your aunts and uncles and your cousins. And so it's just noting that because those relationships can come into play later on as we're talking. So where all did you live? You were born here. How long did you live there? Where did you move to the next house? Where did you go to school? Grade school, middle school, junior high, high school. Um, just all we're doing is writing down places um, that you were and where you lived. Churches. What churches did you attend when you lived in these different places? How quickly did you get involved in a new church? Was your family unchurched? At that point, you became a believer later on in life. Does that mean your parents are saved now, or are they not? And um, after schools, work. Where do you work now, um, and what jobs have you had um, up till this point? Then you're going to kind of look at those different natural divides. So that's kind of the first go-through that you might say. Then you're going to go back and start looking at what happened in grade school. Um, were you bullied? Did you have friends? Did you make friends easily? Um, were there significant events that happened while you were in grade school? Did somebody die? Was there a divorce? Um, any major events that happened? Our house burned down. Okay, we're going to note that. Because later on, we might visit that and see, was there trauma because of that? Did you lose a pet during that time with it? 
Um, what was your family life like? Was there tensions? Was it good? Was mom around? Was dad around? Um, we're kind of getting just a general view of what your life was like during those grades, during those years. We find that a lot of stuff that is um, hurting later in life has its roots back in this time period um, of school, maybe college, but um, during that time period. You might also, somebody might also say, well, my dad was kind of a scary person. When you're just talking generally about their dad, what they did, um, were they involved in the family, you write it down. Dad was a scary person. And as you're taking your notes, you're going to develop some kind of a, oh, star. We'll have to deal with that later. Oh, or check mark. We'll deal with that later. Or as you go back and review, you use a marker and say, the yellow ones are things that I need to make sure that we go back. And after you do them, you put a check mark on them. Or what, however it is that you want to do that. So that's what we say is the first run through. And then we go back and um, talk about um, any sexual activities. Um, what's the first remembrance of somebody who touched you and you didn't feel comfortable about that? Um, did you play doctor? Did you um, find um, porn magazines? Did you find, um, did you see something of two people, um, two teenagers on a hill that were passionately kissing and groping um, and you're only eight and you're seeing things that God really didn't intend you to see at that time period? Did you see anything like that? And if you don't remember everything, that's fine. As these events need to come up when we're talking through your life later, the Holy Spirit will bring those events and sometimes safe others, you'll find that things are so traumatic. The hurting one's not sure yet whether they can trust you with that event. And they will not share it until later. Um, after you have gone through many things, they'll say, oh, by the way, I was also raped when I was in junior high. And um, that's the first you've heard of it. But they finally feel safe telling you that. So you go through getting ideas. Um, of what a person's sexual history is like. And again, you just take names and events um, of when they happened. Um, you know, Uncle Joe always liked to have the little girl sit in his lap. Um, things, and it made you feel uncomfortable. So, um, and then you might, we might go back to like grade school. Was there anything that happened during grade school that you remember? Um, like I said, a death. Auntie came to live with us. Any events like that. Talk about teachers. Who were the good teachers? Who were the teachers you didn't like? Um, what about babysitters? I remember when I went through my stuff and we were talking about people in authority. There was one thing I had to confess about a babysitter. She was an older woman who lived down the street, a very poor family. Um, and my mom and dad would hire her as a babysitter for us in the evenings because she basically needed the income. And um, she was a she was really a nice lady. And but you know, to probably a five year old or six year old um, 
let me just say between five and seven, um, she looked like she could be gruff. Um, she didn't have that sweet grandmotherly look upon her face. And I remember one night, um, she was babysitting, and I have a sister who is four years younger. So if I was six, she was only two um, or three, and this babysitter disciplined her. And my older sister, who's a year older than I am, and I stood on the top of the stairs yelling down at her how mean she was because of what she disciplined my younger, younger sister. We were not nice to her. And I remember my mom and dad made us apologize. And when I went through my stuff, I had to confess that I did not treat her as an authority in my life at that time very well. So um, I don't think that came out until we were talking later. But anyway, we might just write down neighbor babysitter. Um, again, just the headlines. No details. Back to sexual events. That's why I say this is kind of a messy process. Who were their sexual partners? Who was the first girlfriend they had or boyfriend that they had? Who was the first one that they kissed? Who was the first one that did they make claims on anybody? I'm going, you're going to be my boyfriend. You're going to be my girlfriend. All the way up through marriage. And did, were there pre, did they have um, were there some sexual activities with their person that they eventually, the spouse they eventually married that are not according to God's word? Just because they're engaged does not give them a right to um, engage in sexual activity that is reserved for marriage. That God said that two, when a man and a woman come together in marriage. So, as um, Marcia talked about, last time or with the sexual um, sins consequences she talked about the fact that we have to break those illegal bonds that happened before marriage not the marriage bonds but the ones that happened before because those were illegal or those were not were not um, what God wanted in their plans um, we also talk through these different times spiritual events that happened. When did they come to know Christ? How did they come to know Christ as their Savior? When were they redeemed? And it's usually okay to let them tell and finish telling their story here because there's usually not something that needs to be dealt with. Um, there's usually not a hurt that comes out of that. So this is a time for you to get a good understanding of their spiritual journey that they're on. So um, we've talked about their sexual history. We've talked about teachers and people in authority um, that they've had um, through their marriage. And when were they married? Um, when did they have kids? Um, what are their ages? Um, we, again, just get the facts, um, dates of birth, um, and things like that. Um, we also, as we're going through these different times, talk about vows. Did they make a vow? Did they, when after they became a Christian, after they got to know Christ, did they vow that they were going to be a missionary in Africa? But they never made it. Vow to go to Africa. We'll deal with that later. Um, are there any vows I will never that they remember making? 
This one isn't always as easy for them to remember. Sometimes there are some very distinct ones. I am going to marry you. They make a vow. It's a claim, but they make a vow. Um, and we'll deal with that when we get to the vows and dealing with the vows um, and as we get through um, people. But as we've talked about those authorities, did they have trouble with authorities? Did they get fired from a job? Did they leave a job because they ran into conflict with the boss? Um, and you, as the safe other, are just writing everything down because one thing you're going to start to look for is patterns. Is there a pattern in their life that they don't say, well, I have this pattern in my life with authority, um, or I have this pattern with friends that I get too bossy, or they don't always recognize that or see that. So you're going to just write these things down, and you'll start to feel the Holy Spirit will start to say, well, this event happened here and here and here. There is a pattern that goes through with it. Um, then we also want to ask questions about occult games. Did they use the Ouija board? Did they do any palm reading? How about sleepovers? Were there any sleepovers that they had? Um, because that's when even fourth, fifth, sixth grade, fifth, sixth, seventh grade, where kids start exploring about bodies and, um, even, you know, girls together or boys together. Were there things that happened at sleepovers? Or they played the Ouija board? Or they, um, and how do they feel about it? Um, because those um, tarot cards, all of those are ways that the kingdom of darkness have a way to get into and a right to be in that person's life is because they had their tarot cards read. And that is a door that had been opened to the kingdom of darkness. And during the PR process, you want to close that door so that the kingdom of darkness does not have a right to be in that person's life. Um, any gifts that were given to them that had been dedicated, um, any packs that they made with friends, um, later on you can decide... And you don't let the person decide if it was an occult or something we should deal with or not. You just make the notes as the safe other, and then later the Holy Spirit will guide you back through. Is this something we need to deal with or not? Um, during the history taking, a lot of time lies, vows, don't necessarily, and words of power don't necessarily show up. Those are things that will come during the stories. Um, when I'm talking about my mom, well, my mom used to say to me, and that was words of power, and it affected me. Um, and so those come out during the story time. So you're going to mark them when you're taking notes about the story they tell about their mom, about their dad, about their sister, their brother, and make a star or whatever beside it, to come back and deal with it when you deal with vows and lies. So our job is to deal with what they reveal and what the Holy Spirit wants them to work on. You know, there could be a one lady that we worked with said, I know something happened before this event, but it's a black hole, and I don't know what it is. 
And the Holy Spirit never revealed it. It's an area that God is saying, not yet. You're not supposed to go there yet. But she really felt like it was a traumatic event. So we prayed over it and asked the Father to give her peace about it until he was ready to reveal what it was that would hap- that happened there. But that she would not be anxious about it, that she would not worry about it, and not try and um, bring it up by other means other than allowing the Holy Spirit to reveal what was in that black hole in her life. Like I mentioned earlier, the Holy Spirit may edit, the, the hurting one may edit their story a little bit until they trust you. And then some of the events will come out. Or as they're telling their story, they don't tell you everything, but as they're in prayer, the accusations get stronger and deeper because they're revealing more of the hurt that they have. As they're talking about, let's say that they're talking about friends, a friend that bull- or that they got bullied in junior high, and they're talking about that, all of a sudden they met, mention some other random event that happened in junior high. The Holy Spirit has brought that event to mind. They've said it. You write it down because the Holy Spirit doesn't want them to forget it. And so that's just, again, well, is there any relation between this event and and that one? Maybe not. But it's something that's going to come up later um, and will be need to be dealt with later. Just remember that their personal history is a roadmap that we use to make sure that we are covering those events that were wounding in the person's life. And remember that emotions, everybody wears their emotions differently. But emotions do play an important part. And as the safe other, you may feel that those emotions that this person is expressing with this event just seems so much stronger than what that event would normally elicit. So there might be something deeper going on there. And pray for the Holy Spirit to reveal that, that the hurting one can get down to the bottom of the wound so that it can be completely cleaned out and not allowed to heal on the top, only to fester more underneath and erupt later. So watch their emotions. It can also be, it's like, okay, this was pretty traumatic, but they have no emotion attached with it. Okay, maybe it's because of their medical history. Maybe it's because of medication that they're on. Or are they just not allowing the Holy Spirit to reveal how deep this wound really went. So you're going to be doing a lot of praying as a safe other for the Holy Spirit to reveal more or to allow the person to really feel the emotions. Maybe it's a protective. Maybe it was a very traumatic thing that happened. But God is allowing the emotions not to be displayed to the full extent of the event as they happen, that because they maybe they've already dealt with dealt with a lot of the emotions through therapy, and God is just keeping those emotions under control. So be in contact with the Holy Spirit to help decide: Are they 
more emotional than it seems like or are they less emotional than it seems like? So like I said, we begin with family, we begin with sexual stuff because it's the easiest to not it's it's hard, but it's easy to deal with. It's pretty black and white and straightforward. Um, accusing, confessing, accusing, forgiving, confessing, and um, asking for forgiveness, and then breaking bonds and asking for cleansing. Then, what they're going to realize, what the hurting one is going to realize, is especially with sexual sin, sin enters one small step at a time. We say we're not going to do it. We're going to keep ourselves pure until marriage. One compromise at a time. We're headed due north. If we don't say, I compromise, Father, bring me back to true north, each degree, each step will lead us, and all of a sudden we're facing east, and we're doing things that we didn't want to do. But we had allowed sin to creep in, one small compromise at a time. And then we need to ask the Father for forgiveness and to get us back to true north. Each step, what direction am I going to go? Am I going to go toward the sin or am I going to go back toward God? After we deal with the sexual stuff, we usually deal with family. And we're going to go into more detail what this means, dealing with mom, dad, siblings, any events that happened. Um, How did the extended family play a role? Are there any issues there? that need to happen. Then we look at community relationships. Girl Scout leaders, Boy Scout leaders, um, Sunday school teachers, friends of my parents, my friends, my friends' parents. Um, Are there any relationships in there that we need to deal with where they have created a wound in our life? Then we get to the occult and rebellion. And then finally, we look at vows lies, and words of power. Now, there are times. We had a case recently with someone we were working with that one of the first early sessions we had with them, a lie was presented. And they realized that this lie came out of a sin that was committed and it had a huge impact on their life. We stopped and dealt with the lie right then. And God gave the truth. So these are not hard and fast rules. These are guidelines as we work through the um, roadmap that the person has given us. And after that session, we may go and create a chart like you see on page 54 of of your syllabus where we plot things out. We may... Or we may have another way. We go back through the history and mark things that we know we want to deal with later um, that it seems like the Holy Spirit is bringing up. It's a messy process. But our lives are messy. Um, They are not neat and trim. And so we are messy people living in a messy world. So don't be surprised as you're going through and taking the timeline that you go back and forth between Um, times in their lives, between events, remembering. You saw it with me. 
some questions that I wanted to ask here. Oh, I remember to tell you a little bit later. Um, God knows. The Holy Spirit will guide us and lead us and will bring to mind eventually throughout the process those things that he knows we need to heal. You write them down. You go back and you'll realize you wrote down things that aren't pertinent to anything. But you didn't know that at the time. You write down things that seem very insignificant. But later, as they're talking, as they're sharing the story, you say, well, when we did the history, you said this. Or last week when we were talking about your mom, you said this. And now that just means a whole lot more because of the story they're sharing this week. So allowing the Holy Spirit to take those notes to guide you in the way that you lead the person through. And like I said, as the hurting one, you kind of have an idea where I think we're going to go today. But the Holy Spirit is the one who guides. And sometimes we end up there. And other times we don't. We had, a, we had one recently where we thought it was time to deal with her husband. And we started talking about the accusations she had against him. And as we got going more and more, it was, we need to talk about your relationship with God the Father. Because there were, she was saying things like, well, I thought I got rid of these rocks, but they're still in my life. And so the Spirit was directing us to talk about her relationship with God. And where she was at right at that time. What had changed in the previous weeks. And encouraging her how to get back. And making sure that her relationship with the Father was vital. So again, following the lead of the Holy Spirit to guide you through each session. Each time. And thanking Him at the end. If you have any questions please make sure that you're using the question and answer part of the video um, webinar, of the webinar, if you're watching this um, in the webinar, or send your questions to webinar at cross-resources.org and we will get back to you with an answer as soon as we can. Thank you for your time. Father, may my words fall on ears that are open and ready to hear Give them understanding. Thank you for being with us. Thank you for not letting us be interrupted. We pray all these things in the name of Jesus, our precious Savior. Amen.